Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, just for our visitors, my name is Estian. I lead a congregation with, out with Dimitri and with Jeff, and it's really awesome yeah, just to see so, so many new faces, and really just exciting for what I feel God wants to do this morning. You know, like we were singing this, I mean, that song was amazing, and Dimitri is, is so spot on, like God is going to do great things. But as we were singing that, I was just thinking, you know, in the Bible, Jesus is called Emmanuel, right? And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. And how amazing is that? How amazing is it that God is with us, that he walks with us, that he talks with us, that we can experience his presence? Um, yeah, and, you know, we, we rightly do say, you know, the good news is Jesus dying for our sins. And that is obviously perfect, and that is obviously spot on. But that's not all. Like the fact that we can experience his presence, that we can walk with him, that he's among us. I mean, that for me is also good news, right? It's not only that Jesus died for our sins and that we're going to heaven, even though that is amazing. It's also the fact that right now we can walk with him. Right now we can experience his presence, right? That is good news, guys. That is good news. Anyway, sorry. <clears throat> so this morning, I do want to talk about his presence. And the title of my, of my message is, His Presence is Key. His presence is key. And I really this morning want to speak about how we, as a family, steward His presence. How do we steward God's presence? Um, because we are incredibly blessed to be in a field of churches that experience His presence, right? And we should never take that for granted. I mean, just by a show of hands, let's say in the last four weeks, who of you have experienced God's presence in one way or the other? That is phenomenal, guys. That is phenomenal, right? Um, his presence is really key to everything that we do. And without His presence, this does not work. Without His presence, we become a social club, right? And we can love one another, and we can care for one another, and we can walk with one another, but it's a social club at the end of the day. You can find that at your rugby club, cricket club, round table, table tennis, <laughs> everywhere. His presence is key to what we do. Um, yeah, and I really just want to look at how do we as a people steward His presence in our, in, on, on a Sunday, but also every day. And I want to look at the two souls in the Bible. So there's, there's a soul in the Old Testament, the king who tried to kill David. And then obviously Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament before he got converted, his, his name was Saul. And I really want to just look at the different ways that each soul reacted to God's presence and how they steward, both of them individually stewarded God's presence and then see what, what we can learn from them. So the first scripture, 1 Samuel 19, verse 18 to 24. So just to give you context, it starts with when David had fled and made his escape. So David spent... So David was God's king, a man after God's own heart, king of, of Israel for many years. But the first or a large portion of his life, he spent running away from someone trying to kill him. So if you ever think your life is hard and, you know, wondering what God has in store for you, just look at this guy's life. Anyway, so he was busy fleeing, and he was fleeing from one place to the other, and God just kept on delivering him from Saul. So, when David had fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel, who was a prophet at Ramah, and told him all that Saul, the king that was trying to kill him, had done to him. Then he and Samuel went to, 
Yes, I don't know how to pronounce that, and stayed there. Word came to Saul, David is in Noah at Ramah. So he sent men to capture him, as he has been trying to do. But when they saw a group of prophets prophesying, and it's, you know, with Samuel standing there as their leader, the Spirit of God came upon Saul's men, and they also prophesied. They, had, they encountered God's, God's presence, his, his men. Then Saul was told about it, and he sent more men, and they prophesied too. So just imagine you, Saul, sent people to kill David. They, like God's presence, basically, comes upon them. They start prophesying. They don't kill him. You send another group of men. The same thing happens, right? Saul sent men a third time, and they also prophesied. I mean, he should have gotten the message here, right? Finally, he himself, now this is the king, right? Led for Raman, went to the great cistern at Seku, and he said, where are Samuel and David? And they said, where is? And then they said, so Saul went there at Ramah, but the Spirit of God came even upon him. And he walked along prophesying until he came to Noah. He stripped off his robes and also prophesied in Samuel's presence. He lay that way all that day and night. This is why people say he saw also among prophets. Just, just keep, keep that on for me. Now, this is the king. This is the king, right? So this is not some guy who decides to take off his clothes. This is the king of the country who tries, who goes to kill David. The spirit, the presence of God comes upon him. He starts prophesying. He strips off his robes. I mean, just imagine your king stripping off. I mean, just imagine our president walking in here and starts taking off his clothes. And and also prophesied in Samuel's presence. He lay that way all day and night. So not only did he prophesy, God's presence was so heavy on him that he lay there for a day and a night without his robe. That's that's quite radical for a king. eh? This is why people say he saw also among the prophets. Um, So just look at how this guy, who wasn't following God, he was actually very sinful, very insecure, and very disobedient. And he missed what God had for him, right? But look what happens when, the, when God's presence comes up, upon him. He's a king, but he strips himself, and he lays like that for two days. Now, my, my question is, I mean, I want to say, I hope that happens to us, but not in that way. But what do we do when we, how do we react in God's presence when we experience his, his, his presence? But the sad thing is that this, that this didn't change him. He experienced his presence like it was like a massive encounter. But if you read, if you continue reading, he still carries on trying to kill David. He never walked in what God had for him because he was sinful and he was disobedient, but also because he did not steward God's presence. God's presence would come upon him. He would have an encounter, but nothing would change. He would just carry on doing what he felt in his heart to do. He, he did not position and push himself for God to change him. So there is a sense of we have to be able to steward God's presence. When, God, when we experience his presence, like he does the work and he overwhelms us and we feel his love and all that stuff, it's amazing. But in, from our side, we have to be able to steward his presence and we have to be able to allow him to change and to mold us and to shape us. Then we're going to look at, where's my renter crowd today? Where's Steve? Where, and Colin? No, guys. No, no, no. They uh, normally sit here in front and scream at me, which I do appreciate. 
Now we're going to look at Saul before he became Paul in Acts. So this is now in the New Testament. So again, just quickly context. Saul was very devoted. He was a very devoted Jew. And when Jesus died and the Holy Spirit came and the church exploded, he tried, not tried, he did persecute Christians because he felt he was doing an honor to God. And he was dragging them out of their homes, out of the temple, throwing them in prison. Then he asks, just before this, he, he asks if he can go to that town, Damascus, to go and throw the Christians there in prison as well. So he, he was a man on a mission, and he thought that he was doing this for God. So he, he was on his way. So in Acts 9, verse 3, it's, it says, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Now just imagine you were traveling with him at the second. Um... Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could, not, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. Such was the encounter, his experience, right? And then if we, we, we can skip one or two verses here and there, and then if we go to yeah, 11 and 12. Now this is now one of the disciples that was in Damascus, um, and the Lord told this guy, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying, right? I mean, just look at the shift in his heart. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias, who was this guy, come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. And then he said he's heard of him, he's scared of him because he's, he is persecuting Christians, and then God tells him, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will, I will show him how much he must suffer for my sake. Now, this is a freebie, just quickly. Just imagine, you, just, imagine just think about when you got saved. And then God tells you, you're going to suffer for my sake. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's radical, right? Then Anas went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now, there's two completely different responses to God's presence, right? The Saul in the Old Testament experienced God's presence radically, prophesied on the ground for two days, but he got up and he just carried on doing what, what he was doing. There was no change. So in the New, I mean, this guy, we, we um, yeah, he became such a, a powerful tool in God's kingdom, and a lot of the pattern that we follow in church is because of Saul, right? Or that became Paul. Um, and he, I mean, he immediately got, got baptized, which as we know, I mean, that's such an outward declaration of who you follow. He, he was denying everything. I mean, the Bible speaks about everything that he had to lay down for, for the sake of um, God. And he got baptized immediately and everything changed for him. 
and that, I mean, yeah, and I mean, oh, yeah, we know oh, he obviously walked in what God, God had for him. He, at the end of his life, saw Paul would say, I finished the fight, you know, and I'm ready to go home, which is amazing. So the question for us is, what do we do with God's presence? Do we steward his presence in church, but more importantly, in our walk with him on a daily basis, do we steward his presence? So when we look at church, like on a Sunday meeting or on a Wednesday, when we experience God's presence as we come together, do we intentionally engage and steward his presence, or do we drift off and wait for the next thing to start? Because we've had, like, in the last month or so, we've, we've had, we, we, are, we are blessed. Like, God has really arrived in his, in his presence. We, during worship, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember, like, two Sundays in a row, worship went on till, like, quarter to 11. We were, like, ministering. God was doing stuff, you know. His presence is among us. Um, and my question is, do we steward those moments well? Um, do we press into his, his presence when, when he is here? Because I do think God teaches us to steward his presence. It's, it, it is a thing that we must learn to do. Um, and we, we really need to be people who steward his presence well. Like that is the difference, guys. That is the key to everything we do is are we able to steward his presence? And at, at home, do we spend time in his presence? Do we... Do we invite him into our homes? And I'm not talking about an hour every morning. I mean, that's obviously great to have quiet time. It's great to read the Word. It's great to pray. We must have quiet time. We must sit with God. But more importantly, do we walk with him? Or is it only an hour a morning? Or do we actually walk with him? Do we invite his presence into our space at home or at work or family? Or is it, or is it just... Um, or is it just for 30 minutes in the morning? And I, I remember years ago um, when God speaking, started speaking to me about walking with him, you know, and not just ticking a box in the morning, but actually walking with him. I felt so con convicted that, you know, I really want to invite God into my space. And, and I used to, so I, I was a teacher, I'm still a teacher, but at my old job, I used to teach phys ed, physical education, and in the summer months, we'll teach the, the high school kids to swim. You won't believe it, guys. High school kids can't swim. But anyway, and the pool was about five minutes from the main building. So what would happen is I'd be at the pool, a class would come, we'll do our lesson, and then they would go back. And then I would wait for like 10 minutes for the next class to come, and then obviously rinse and repeat. And I, well, yeah, it was literally, yeah. Anyway, um, <coughs> and I remember... As I was, I mean, I was alone at the pool for five or ten minutes or between each lesson. And I remember I would literally, uh, I mean, I would walk up and down and I would just go, God, I just want to invite you into the space. I just want to walk with you. I don't want it just to be one, something I do in the morning. Just, so just come and just own my space. And obviously nothing happened at first, right? I was like, I see, people think I'm nuts if they see me walking up and down, whispering. Anyway, um, but as I contended for that, as I learned to steward his presence, he came. And that is the thing that I want to leave with you. It's not it is dependent on us, but it's also not. If we intentionally invite him into our space, into our walk, he does arrive. He does come. So God does want us to walk with him. God calls us to walk with him and to be stewards of his presence. And that is part of the good news. Jesus died for our sins. He, he died for our sins, and we are so grateful for that. 
but there's more. We can actually walk with him. So what I want to ask is think back whenever about God convicting you of sin. So just in your mind's eye, just think back of a time when God convicted you of sin. Um, are you walking in more freedom today? So when God speaks to us about sin and, and other things, do we listen and obey? You know, Are we walking with Him every day, and are we getting victory over the things? Oh, this is in my notes, but I want to show you something quickly. I just feel I need to. This is not my Bible, by the way. It's my wife's. But I am owning it. So. <clears throat> okay. I was just pondering about this this week, and it's such an amazing piece of Scripture. It's in Romans 8, verse 12. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought, you, uh, brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. And I was just thinking about it, you know, as we walk with Him, as we are being led by the Spirit, naturally He would cause us and He would convict us of sin, of the misdeeds of the flesh. And, and He would convict us and He would change us. But we need to own that. We, we need to be good stewards of, of that. So to think about a time when, you know, God convicted you of sin. And just ask yourself, am I walking in, am I stewarding that well? Am I listening and obeying to what is, he's asking me? We need to be doers of the word. When God speaks to us, it will always align with the word of God, with the Bible, Right? If, it, if, if God speaks to us and it's not in line, aligned with the Bible, we maybe just need to talk. Um, so when he does speak to us, and it is you know, in line with the Bible, and it is him speaking to us, what do we do with that? How do we steward that? Um, do we steward that well, or do we just move on, and in a few weeks he needs to talk to us uh, again, you know? In James 1, verse 22 to 25, I, I have um, mentioned this um, scripture a few weeks ago. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Now this obviously speaks about God's word, but when God speaks to us and it aligns with the word, do we listen and obey God's voice? Do we steward what he is saying to us well? Because again, the answer for us is his presence. Without his presence, we, can do, do not, we can't do anything. We, like this, there's no point. Um, Paul's entire life changed in his presence. And, it was, and he had, uh, there was a moment that Paul had a, an encounter with God. But he sustained that moment by doing something about it, right? He got baptized and his entire life changed. And also, I just want to say, we cannot live from moment to, to moment, guys. We can't have an encounter with God and then life carries on and then maybe in a few weeks we have an, another encounter with God, and, but nothing really changes, right? We need to dig deep wells in his presence and to dig 
deep wells in his presence. That, that, that is what it means to steward his, his presence. As we, as we come into his presence, as we allow him to talk to us and shape us and mold us and do whatever, we are, do, we are digging deep wells. If we are people who only live from moment to moment, we will lack intimacy with him and our wells will run dry. God deepens our wells in moments and in, in encounters, like he did with, with Paul, but he keeps them flowing as we steward his presence by walking with him. Just going to read that again. God deepens our wells in moments, but he keeps them flowing as we steward his presence by walking with him day to day, walking with him. John 7 verse 38. It speaks about whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And that happens through his presence, by stewarding his presence, by walking with him, not living from moment to moment, um, but learning to, yeah, to steward his, his presence. And I really wanted to keep this short because I really feel like we need to actually respond to, to this. Um, this is more like, like I want us to apply this and, and not only hear about it. So what we're going to do is I'm going to ask the worship guys to come back on. And I'm going to ask all of us just to stand. Won't you just stand with me?